Welcome to Boxes and Lines, a different kind of finance podcast from a different kind of stock exchange. Featuring IEX founder Ronan Ryan and Chief Market Policy Officer John Ramsey. Now here to give you the straight talk on how the markets really work. It's Ronan and JR. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Boxes and Lines, welcome, 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 welcome. <laughs> we welcome our guest today, Steve Kaminsky from Jump Crypto. Um, Thanks for joining us, Steve. And this is our second Jump Crypto. Well, we had Dave Olson. He's technically Dave from Olson. Jump Crypto. It's very hard to compete with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, been, I've been working on my voice, my vocals to compete with Dave Olson, but I'll do my best. Thanks for having me, guys. Don't don't put him on the back foot right away, John. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 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 not at all. But we love your content and you look great, even <laughs> though the audience doesn't get to actually see you. Uh, and I know that you're going to be a great guest. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Cool. So well, maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, your, your role at Jump, and then we'll go on from there, because the the, the main topic of this uh, podcast is Pith, which we've talked about before with Dave Olson, but we just wanted to round up with you because it's a while since we talked about this. Absolutely. It has been a while. Um, so my background is in traditional finance. Um, I worked in fixed income markets at Goldman and RBC. Um, when I came over to Jump, I was in our business development group, also with kind of a focus on fixed income and the increasing uh, electronification of the markets, which was a kind of a natural transition for me into Jump. I officially joined Jump's crypto team about two years ago. Um, and as you alluded to, I sit within our special projects team, and my focus is primarily on Jump's contribution to the PIF Oracle network. Um, but Jump Crypto is, you know, active in a wide array of, of avenues within the crypto space. So Jump Crypto started about 10 years ago as a trading business um, and like Jump Traditional has you know, been very active in the trading markets of crypto and has since expanded both in the investing side of the crypto ecosystem, as well as infrastructure and building, which is really kind of where Pith comes in. And I think we'll get into that a little bit more. Nice. Yeah. Like as, as I was preparing for this podcast, I noticed that our conversation with Dave on Pith was actually December of 21. So it's over a year. So I thought what might be helpful, Steve, at the beginning is if you could just explain for the audience again, uh, in as layman's terms as possible, which I know it's not always possible in this industry, but what Pith is, and then we can kind of take the conversation from there. Absolutely. So Pith is an oracle. An oracle is best thought of as a critical piece of infrastructure within crypto. Um, so what does this mean? Oracles essentially bridge the gap between applications and projects that are being built on-chain with the data and information that exists off-chain. So, you know, for as cool and sophisticated and you know highly advanced that blockchains may be, and everyone has their own opinion there. They are closed loop ecosystems, meaning they don't have access to the outside world. Um, so if you're building on chain, you need oracles to access data and information that exists off chain. And that's really the role of oracles. Pith is the largest publisher network as an oracle. And what this means is that every data contributor to Pith owns their own data and is also publishing that data directly on chain. So, um, you know, Jump is an active contributor to Pith. We are really excited about working on the project, especially alongside, you know, reputable exchanges and institutions like yourself. Um, but hopefully that helps kind of level set a little bit as far as like what Pith actually is and its purpose within the broader ecosystem. 
Yeah. So when, when you say data contributors, one, I'd like to know how many uh, data contributors there are and what type, I know the answer to this question, but like what type of data is being contributed? But, but to the before platform? you do that, just to make yeah. sure that people understand the basics here. So, to, so tell me if I got this right. As I understand it, the idea is that if you've got, you, you know, uh, somebody who is, has created a, a, a smart contract somewhere that sort of says that is programmed, um, such that, if the price of a particular asset or a benchmark um, crosses some threshold, then something will happen. There will be a payout or some other action will take place as part of that smart contract. They need, uh, in order for that to work, they need a an a authoritative, trusted source of data that people can rely on um, to know that that threshold has actually been reached. Is that a, a yeah. fair way of explaining it? That's spot on. Um, to summarize, smart contracts require it's spot on. So it was shockingly good, yeah. Steve. Like I'm fucking floored <laughs> that John Ramsey. Okay, said, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just black out and answer that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, two examples I think will help really illustrate this. Let's do one that's like super simplistic and, and not as practical, and one that's a little bit more relevant. So let's say uh, that you guys and I were to make a bet that Jacksonville Jaguars would beat the Chiefs this weekend. We could easily sync up our, you know, crypto wallets, write up a smart contract, deploy it on chain. And then if the Jaguars do upset the Chiefs, pay me $100. If they don't and the Chiefs win, pay you $100. This is an example whereby at the weekend, once that game is over, you'd have to pull in data to confirm who won. Obviously, a very simplistic, easy example. It's a binary outcome. There, you're not going to get a lot of disagreement on that outcome, whether you ask ESPN or CVS or whoever, but you do need to know the outcome. If I were writing the smart contract, I might just say Jacksonville won, and you may just say Kansas City won. So you need to have verifiable, trustless data. Now, let's take a little bit more of a practical example. Um, let's say I own some Bitcoin. I deposit it into a program that's built on chain. So I earn some yield on my Bitcoin. However, if the price of Bitcoin dips below, let's say, 19000 uh, you need to call me for margin. Quickly, you can see why this is a little bit more complicated, right? The price of Bitcoin is moving in an incredibly volatile, real-time, 24-7 way. And maybe more interestingly, depending on who you ask, you're going to get a slightly different answer, right? Jump crypto trading Bitcoin may say the price is X. Um, and some exchange may say the price is something else based on the data that exists on their exchange. And so what Pith is doing is trying to aggregate all this information to provide a ro robust and reliable price source for any of these types of contracts that are using that data. Does that help? Yes. Yeah, there was a, actually the two of you, there was a... The best explanation I've heard of. Oh well, Pitt there you go. Okay. I'm serious. Yes. That was very good. I know he's I like very. He's very. Um, I'm an example. Stingy guy. with his yeah. praise, um, for sure. <laughs> so, in a sense, an oracle then is kind of like an accepted source of truth for whatever. Kind of like I'm an oracle for equity market structure uh, regulation. That's he right. always you turns know, it to himself. Steve. Of, That's what yeah. I heard about you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we don't. Sure, you're not in sales. <laughs> <laughs> His voice is dripping with sarcasm. Perhaps as no, an illustrative way, um, a lot of people think it's named Pith after, like, uh, you know, the coding language Python. But in fact, Pith is named after the Greek goddess Pythia. Um, Pythia was kind of this bridge between humans and the gods. Um, so, if you're into Greek mythology, you can. Uh, 
look that up and enjoy a little bit more background on the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love right. that. Learning shit every day. All right. So we'll get into uh, IEX being a, a data contributor on Pith. But um, first qu question we had is uh, IEX, obviously, we're an equities exchange. And the audience who listens to this podcast is primarily interested in market structure. God knows why. <laughs> and we have a lot of people who are not as well. But, um, you know, how does Pith, a crypto project, tie in there to like equities yeah. market structure? Yeah, I mean, this is part of what I've really enjoyed um, about working on Pith is that certainly Pith is a crypto native blockchain based project, but it is absolutely attracting, you know, interest, exploration and enthusiasm from more traditional finance institutions. One reason for that. So the data on Pith is price data and Pith today supports not just crypto, but Pith also supports FX, metals, and as you guys know, of course, equities. So it's a crypto-based project, but it's actually touching into a lot of other ecosystems and markets outside of crypto. And I think that's pretty interesting and exciting as a proof of concept, especially to show that, for example, equities data can exist on-chain. So I don't know, just like Pith is sort of a bridge between the data that exists off-chain that needs to come on-chain, Pith has also served as a bridge for kind of traditional financial institutions stepping into crypto. There are a lot of other firms, like if you think of, you can look at some of the trading firms that are contributing data to Pith, not all of them are very active in crypto. Many of them are contributing FX data or metals data. And, and I think that that's kind of a really cool part of the project. Yeah, I mean, that, so we've been part of the project since the summer of 21 uh, uh, when we met you guys, and we appreciate being part of it. And we, we always thought it was like a, a cool idea that the people you lined up specifically for U.S. equities, because that's the only data that we have and that we can contribute. Yep. Um, it's definitely what you would call like institutional grade data. As prior to this, I had heard other articles were using things. Like, I don't even know if Google Finance exists anymore, but it was much less like uh, real-time data as compared to now, like obviously you've got Jump, you've got us, you've got other exchanges, you've got Virtu, you've got GTS, you've got a lot of different constituents in there. And I guess to your example of what is the price of Bitcoin or what is the price of an equity, the more data points you have, the more accurate you can be. And I think that's the idea behind it, correct? That's absolutely right. Um, and, and See, one, that's very well said. Thank uh, you. Very well said. It's bonus season. I have to be nice to him, please. <laughs> yeah. a, a unique feature of Pith as it compares to other oracles is exactly that, which is the quality of the data providers themselves and the fact that they own their own data. So by being what we would call first party, they're publishing directly on chain and are essentially responsible for their own data. This is much more of a high quality model versus aggregation. Right. So other oracles may take aggregated data sources and publish that on chain, which serves a purpose. It's scalable in certain ways, um, but it's by definition going to have higher latency and be significantly less um, reliable. Right. So the, I, 
this this may relate a little bit to that point. One of the issues, particularly as a regular ex regulator, you know, I used to be an ex regulator at the did you know that, Steve? at one time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyway, on any kind of market, you always worry a little bit about the potential for manipulation, right? If you can, particularly if you have things that are driven by particular data or uh, transactions or prices, people may have an incentive to manipulate or peg a particular price in order to get a favorable outcome for them. That, I take it, occasionally has been a concern with some of these um, uh, so-called DeFi applications. How do you address that or how do you think about that? Yeah. And just for the audience, just to kind of explain that, um, I think the risk that you're highlighting is, let's say I'm a contributor to Pith. This is, again, hypothetical. Let's say you're a contributor to Pith. You also build a smart contract that pays out if a certain outcome happens. You contribute data to Pith to you know, favor that outcome. And therefore, you're essentially manipulating the Oracle for your own benefit, right? That, that is a, mm-hmm. an absolute risk. So a few ways in which Pith, I think, does a very good job of protecting against this risk. One is just the robustness of the network. Um, I actually looked, you know, when IEX joined Pith as a data provider, there were about 15 data providers. Today, there are 80. And so the way Pith works mechanically is it is taking an aggregate of all of those data sources. So if 25 data contributors are publishing a price of Apple and IEX accidentally publishes a bad price of Apple, just because, let's say, your publisher goes down or misses an exponent or whatever. Well, that's not going to happen. That but would yes, never happen. I mean, let's just say. <laughs> that's hypothetically. 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 No, just literally like a technical error is what I'm referring to. What Pip yeah. is smart enough to know is to weed out that, right? It's taking a smart aggregation of all of the data contributors. So if there are outliers, they'll be weeded out. I think that's, you know, the robustness of the network very much, you know, protects against this as well as like the aggregation logic. Additionally, all of the data providers on Pith or essentially all of the data providers are transparent and public, right? They've all, you've seen a lot of the announcements for data providers. You can go on Pith's website and look at the publisher list. So while each publisher is anonymized by a static public key, there is risk if you were to try to collude in some mechanism to manipulate the network. For most of Pitt's data providers, <laughs> really all, that would be a very not worthwhile risk, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Publishing mm-hmm. data on Pith is not like their primary business line. And so for them to try to like make money doing that would just not be beneficial. Let me, let me ask you this. You, you talked about there being 80 data providers. So congrats. I, I didn't realize it got to that level. Um, and the different types of data. What's the incentive for these data providers to you know, join Pith and provide data on Pith. Yeah, that's right. And and of the 80, just to break it down, it's an interesting mix of trading firms, you know, like Jump, you mentioned, you know, Burke 2, Chain Street, Two Sigma, uh, Tower, HRT, etc. Exchanges, of course, like IEX, and, and a lot of crypto native players where this is a lot more um, organic, I would say. So yeah, it's obvious, it's a natural question, like, why are they joining this network? Like, what's in it for them? I think there are really two two ways I think about that, or certainly from Jump's perspective. So one is helping to build important infrastructure for the future. And I know that sounds like a little bit, I don't know, theoretical or philosophical, but it really is true, right? Like Pith is a piece of infrastructure for broader crypto. And a lot of these contributors want to be a part or believe in that ecosystem, right? If DeFi, if Web3, if these things are going to scale, 
oracles and hopefully PIF will very much be at the center of that. So to be able to kind of help to construct the arena for which you are going to play in is something that's really valuable to a lot of these participants. In similar thinking, it's like people who are newer to crypto get access to a lot of protocols and projects. And so there's like a learning mechanism associated there. So I think that's actually like a really big part of it and should not be discounted. The other more tangible answer is PIP is designed such that data providers have the opportunity to earn rewards for the data that they're providing. And so there is a commercial and economic incentive. Admittedly, that's certainly still being built out by the team and by the network. But knowing that that's there is a, is a really powerful attribute to PIP that, you know, I think will help it continue to scale going forward as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And you said, you know, don't, don't discount uh, your, your, your first answer. I, when we first announced that we wanted to do this internally here at IX, you're absolutely right. The, the, the tech team were really excited to be part of um, building something new like this or playing in a different sandbox than they're used to. So it's actually been a lot of value to IX from that aspect of it as well. Yeah. And we got some Pitt t-shirts. <laughs> and we got some yeah. cool t-shirts, which is yeah. always yeah. something yeah. incentive. And a good Pitt's phone charger. Yeah. I like the, I like <laughs> the phone charger. Right. Cool. Any more swag, I would, yeah. yeah we'll Pitt swag it, is good, I will say. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but it is cool to think, you know, um, I understand for some people who are totally you know, new to crypto or, or DeFi, like the idea of oracles is not right away clear. But I think as you guys have experienced, once you break it down, it's actually not that complicated. <laughs> like it's literally just publishing price data on chain and the team and engineering groups can help actually do that and configure that. But for people who are like trying to like learn a little bit more about what does it mean to operate on chain or like what are the applications being built? PIF has been like a really good, I don't know, is it fair to say gateway drug? <laughs> into the broader like crypto and DeFi. Yeah, that could be misinterpreted, but I think we understand generally what you're what you're saying, yeah, Steve. Yeah. Where do yeah. you get yeah. these gateway products yeah. that he speaks of? Yeah. People have said way worse things on this uh, podcast. Um so let, for for those that are more kind of crypto um, savvy, when you talk about publishing um, um data on the chain, it obviously means that you that the pip the pith network itself needs to like exist on chain. So tell me if I get this wrong, but 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 essentially you publish on the Solana blockchain, or at least you exist on the Solana blockchain. So talk a little bit about that. To what extent are you connected to that particular blockchain? Um, yep. And what are the sort of bridges or off-roads to other uh, blockchains? Yeah, it's a great um, question. And certainly a lot has changed since you know, IEX has joined the network. So Pith was natively built on the Solana blockchain. So it's the home chain for Pith. And this was an, a very obvious choice when Pith was first being developed and scaled out because Solana is the fastest blockchain with cheapest gas. And if you're going to build a high fidelity, high frequency Oracle, you just can't have a network or a blockchain that updates every few minutes and charges gas every single time. So it's a lot and for our, our listeners' benefit and Ronan's, um, for that matter, <laughs> gas, by gas, you mean the fees that people charge, uh, in essence, to be able to do transactions. That's right, like transaction fees every yeah. time you're publishing to the blockchain. Also, just to explain for the listeners, Pith is updating essentially every half second. So data providers, you know, IEX is publishing their price of Apple every 400 to 500 milliseconds, which is very fast for the blockchain. It may not be, you know, super fast for trading firms like Jump, but it is quite fast for blockchain and, and sufficient for now. 
the update I wanted to share, which is a really exciting growth kind of area for Pith, is while Solana is the native home chain and, and um, where Pith was natively built, Pith is now really scalable across blockchains um, and different layer one ecosystems. So it is something more technical called PithNet, um, but essentially using a bridging mechanism, um, something called Wormhole, Pith is now fully accessible on other chains. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of write-ups on this if you want to learn more about, like, the engineering of how that actually occurs. But I think what's really important for your listeners is personal view here, but I think there will be many blockchains that serve different purposes, right? Some blockchains will be used for high-frequency trading. Other blockchains may be used for NFTs. Regardless, it's not Pith's job to kind of choose one single chain. If I'm a developer and I'm building a smart contract protocol and I want to use Aptos, which is one of the newer newer blockchains, and I love Pith, it's got the best data, IEX is a publisher, I'm going to want to connect to Pith. And so having that kind of cross-chain scalability is, is hugely important for the growth of the network. And we're beginning to see that pay off in some really exciting ways. Nice. So as you tell us a cool update, I'm going to ask you for more. So Pith's almost two years old, or maybe it's more than two years old at this point. What's the latest or the newest thing on the Pith roadmap for this year? Yeah, um, it's really all about scalability. So I don't know if we haven't gotten there or if this isn't clear yet. Like I think of Pith as a marketplace, decentralized marketplace for data. So if you kind of break that down, like the data itself is price data for, you know, the asset classes we mentioned, equities, FX, metals, and crypto. So one exciting growth area is adding new symbols and new asset classes. Um, again, I checked this out. When IEX joined, Pith had about 20 symbols, maybe 30. Um, now Pith has about 200 symbols. So continuing to add new symbols, new asset classes, I think is going to be really exciting. So whether that's, you know, the U.S. Treasury market or different types of ETFs, um, other commodities, as the broader DeFi ecosystem grows and needs that type of data, I think Pith will scale alongside of it. So new data, you know, new asset classes is definitely one growth area. Continuing to add new data providers, and that'll happen kind of, I think, in tandem with the symbols and, and growth of asset classes. And then as we touched on earlier, just related to new blockchains, you know, more users, right? More actual projects and applications using Pith, which is naturally happening as we scale across different blockchains. So it's a little bit of all of those, to be honest. Yep. For, for well, it's 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 all exciting, and it, it strikes me that it is all uh, you know we we at IEX are very much philosophically aligned with you in the sense that we have always been very much proponents of democratizing access to market data of various types, um, and that certainly is something that you're um, in the business of doing. And so I might I might say as opposed to some other exchanges that seem to be more um, focused on commercializing, uh, you know, their own market. You tell them, John, take it. Squeezing, squeezing uh, the industry, but I, I, I digress. Yeah, no, uh, democratization is very exciting, and also just to elaborate a tiny bit, like when you think about IEX and Jump are publishing data to Pith, so we're kind of on the supply side. If you think about who's using Pith's data, certainly the core mission for Pith is to support projects and applications that are being built on chain. As we discussed, that's sort of what an oracle is. What we've seen happen now as Pith has grown, it's proven its reliability, it's scalable, is more and more off-chain applications take Pith data in. 
And so what that means is, I don't know, if you're a data platform or you're a trading firm and you need to know the price of Apple, maybe not in a super you know, high frequency way, but you need to know what it is, you can go to Pith. Um, and we're beginning to see all sorts of use cases built on top of Pith. That idea of composability is, you know, wildly exciting. I think that's really cool. I, I, to, I should know that, but I, 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 I clearly <laughs> we learn. We always learn something yeah, in that, these podcasts. That is good. I didn't know people were using it uh, the the opposite way. And look, as you've told us, you know, how many symbols are on there now? How many, how many more providers are on there? It's interesting that that's happened over a time, like not my phrase, but like of crypto winter and everything that's going on. Yeah. It still seems like people are embracing then, I guess, the underlying technology of blockchain and oracles and continue to plow ahead where maybe some people have less conviction on particular tokens or not. But I guess I'm stating the obvious. You guys have definitely grown over this space. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm in a crypto winter in this fucking podcast room. It's like <laughs> yeah. freezing in here. But that's a- <laughs> He's been waiting all podcast for that. And it was well exactly. delivered. It was just well it was right there. Because it is a meat locker in here today. <laughs> Keep you alert. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely true. I, I think you know this is the third, fourth big bear market for crypto. Um, Jump has been, uh, you know, has been around for a lot of these, and you always see this kind of reversion to good projects, right? Projects that are really building something that add value, that add utility. There are a lot of applications and things that are being built that truly rely on Pith. There's a responsibility there, but I do think, yeah, it's been exciting to see even through like a crypto winter, people kind of doubling down on projects that have utility, projects that have value. Um, and, and I certainly think Pith is one of those. And that's why Jump is, you know, actively contributing and excited about it. Cool. And then a uh, qu- question on just on, I guess, crypto in general, but like what trends are you focusing or what trends are you closely following as of right now in crypto? Like any anything our listeners should keep an eye on? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Jump's so active within like such a, a broad area within crypto. I, I guess I'll take this opportunity just to highlight like a couple other of the you know big items Jump is is helping to build and focused on. So so one of those is Fire Dancer. Um, you know, you'll have to excuse some of the exciting names. <laughs> mm, I do, well, yeah. it's certainly, it's a great Fire visual. I know, I know that. all about it, but tell our listeners. Yeah. Two emojis. Fire Dancer is essentially a um, validator expansion for Solana. So it's basically helping the Solana ecosystem or the Solana network itself scale. We have some really top quality engineers working on this project. There's a couple research reports that Jump Crypto has put out that I, you know, suggest listeners go read about. Who can who will, uh, explain it a lot better than I can? But it's a it's a really exciting initiative and something I think Jump is well suited and positioned to do as someone who helps, you know, helps systems scale. Um, and, and that's something we've been doing for a long time within trading and market data and things of that nature. So yeah, Fire, Fire Dancers is a really cool project. Wormhole is another project that Jump is is actively involved with and. Wormhole is all about, um, you know, blockchain interoperability. So again, back to what I was alluding to before with Pith, just, you know, being able for blockchains to communicate with one another. Um, if you think about different blockchains, whether it's, you know, Solana, Ethereum, Avalanche, Aptos, et cetera, all are like islands. And right now you have like these slow ferries that connect them and something like Wormhole is building like super fast underground tunnels to connect them. And, and that's going to be, I think, really important for the ecosystem. 
Nice. Yeah. I mean, if you thought the pit swag was good, wait did you see Fire Dancer? Oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be waiting for some of that <laughs> shit, man. We, we, we can't wait. So yeah. so we, 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 we gave you a late warning, but uh, mm-hmm. we, we have to ask you the question of questions. We ask all guests towards the end of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite Wall Street movie and why? So this is uh, – you, you dropped this right before we started, but I was really thinking about this question the whole time I was talking. <laughs> nice. Well, then you did an especially yeah, amazing yeah, job. Yeah, I, I won yeah. Boiler Room. Ah, there you yeah. go. That's, That's a good John's one. one. I like that. That's John's, one of my favorites. Yeah. It, it, is your reason why? Because John says it's his fucking favorite yeah, one every no, no, show? No, no, no. That's not it. <laughs> Yeah. I was actually listening to old podcasts while we were recording, and I heard him say, <laughs> "What's your guys?" Well, I do like Boiler Room. I, I also like Big Short, uh, right, just because. Yeah, yeah. 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 I always say trading, trading places. I always say spaces, and uh, I brought up Glenn Glary again, Russ, which is not technically a Wall Street movie, but yeah, it's right. about like sales, and it kind of reminded me of sales cool. on Wall Street. So, yeah, yeah. We, we try to be yeah. eclectic. We've had we've had some. Lots of people just picked the wolf of Wall Street. Oh, I'm like, God. we're way lamer than that. Yeah. Yeah. Not that not that illegal is cool, <laughs> by the way. Awesome, but I, Absolutely not. Big Short was great, but I just I loved that book so much that I'm not sure I would use I can use the movie as an answer. But yeah. 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 I will say though, for like so if you like the book and I I loved that book and I read it and it was really complex. And I remember going to the movie theater with my wife and I'm like, I don't know how in the name of God they're gonna show this in movie because it, it was complicated. <laughs> And I think in that respect, they did a great job. They, they did a really yeah. good job. Yeah. So they, and they, yeah. they, they made it f- funny in some respects and, and accessible. And yeah. So do we have any uh, gifts? Yeah. We, for our so guests. You think you, you think you bring the swag? Yeah. We bring the swag. Oh, man. Oh, you man. never, you, know, you, you don't got know no what idea. you're in the store for. <laughs> do you have two feet? We got IX socks for you. Boxes and line socks. They're actually comfortable. Nice. They're, they're not like usual swag with my socks. Pit t-shirt and my fire dancer hat. <laughs> there, you, there you go. All right. He's All right. swag man. Yeah. No, but uh, we 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 appreciate you joining us, and um, you know we appreciate the partnership with you know Jump and Pit, and um, we look forward to hearing more in the future. Absolutely, and you did a wonderful job. Notwithstanding, uh, uh, say say hi to Dave for us. Uh, <laughs> yes. Notwithstanding, not being Dave. Is that yeah, that was that. The voice editor can make my voice a little bit lower. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Um, Thanks a lot, guys, for having me on, and and more importantly, for your kind of partnership and contribution to PIF. I think getting to work with like exchanges like yourselves and, and highly reputable institutions is part of what makes Pith exciting and keeps me bullish. So yeah. Very, very me. well, very well said and very pithy. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, he was waiting all day. <laughs> oh, over, over and out everybody. Over and out. Boxes and Lines is a podcast from IEX Exchange. It is hosted by Ronan Ryan and John Ramsey. Executive produced by Daisy Clace with support from Benstown. For more information and to hear more episodes, go to iexexchange.io slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Boxes and Lines. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group Incorporated and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversation may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group Incorporated, all rights reserved.